Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. Back in the Masson Web Studio, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancana with you, of course, presented by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. A little over a week has gone by since we were last in West Palm Beach talking about the Nats, sitting down with Patrick Corbin. Of course, if you missed that interview, be sure to go back and uh, uh, listen to our last episode with Patrick Corbin on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast, you can find the Masson All Access Podcast. Uh, really interesting stuff from Patrick at West Palm as spring training was getting underway. One week uh, now into the full game slate of spring training, we're starting to see some guys actually go out and perform in baseball situations, Paul. Uh, not too much to to dissect here. It's it's a first game, a lot of split squads, some traveling. Um, not some, some guys haven't even made their uh, spring training debuts yet, so... Not too much to talk about, but, you know, at least they're out there playing baseball games against someone other than their own teammates. You know, we're getting actual games being played. Yeah, there we have talked about before off the air. We may have talked about it on the air that there are not a whole lot of swirling story lines around this team. Yeah. currently, um, And oftentimes that's a good thing because that means that you are retaining a lot of the same guys uh, and that there are not too many questions around your position players around who's going to fill in certain spots. The the lineup is, you know, the order is not there yet, but the guys are pretty much set with the exception of Carter Keeboom, who we'll talk about and where, if he fits into this team, they have to worry about a fifth starter at some point, but we know who the candidates are. It's not likely some dark horse candidate is going to come out of somewhere. So we know the storylines at this point. There are not many, and Mark Zuckerman is going to have to repeat them over and over again over yeah. the next four weeks until we get to opening day. But there aren't many spots up for grabs. It's a, a good spot to be in, but from a media standpoint, of course, we want it more to talk about. We more, want more intrigue, but from an on-field winning perspective, they're in a good spot. Right yeah, now. and I, I think there's something to being the defending World Series champs. And we heard some guys talk about it in the clubhouse when we were down there and not having this much attention on you. I mean, obviously, there's something going on the complete other side of the complex. We touched on that last week. But yeah, I think you're right. There's from a team standpoint, that's a good thing. You mentioned Keyboom at third, the fifth starter standpoint. Uh, we know that the big dogs in the bullpen haven't made their debuts yet, but this is a on paper should be a strong bullpen coming into spring training and to enter the regular season. So I think they're very comfortable where they're at right now in terms of roster construction, who's going to be doing what. Uh, it's just a matter of getting into the situation and, and groove of playing games again. And, you know, for pitchers pitching every fifth day or for relievers pitching back-to-back -back days and stretching their arms out for batters, getting used to f facing live pitchers again and seeing live balls, getting that swing back down, getting that rhythm of fielding a grounder again. So we're in that kind of like limbo situation where, yeah, it's it's more exciting and ramped up because they're playing games, but nothing is really happening yet. You don't start seeing that until maybe around St. Patrick's Day, a couple of weeks into March, where now you see the big guys going every single day and the lineups are starting to form more like you would see on an opening day and, and throughout the early other parts of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that Ryan Zimmerman, of course, is always a storyline in spring training for right. different reasons. 
he just doesn't like the idea of spring training. He doesn't like the practice of spring training. But, you know, even he is kind of acquiescing, and he should. Um, I don't think he's made his spring training debut No, yet. not yet. I think so, it's coming this weekend. Yeah. So um, the only, yeah, the only other thing is these guys are, as you mentioned, Bobby, are, are just slowly given just a little bit more time, with the exception of Max Scherzer because he's not he's human. Max Scherzer, right? He's not human. Um, and really the only benefit, I think, of him starting that opening night um, like the only positive that they could uh, reason that they could throw him in that situation is just because of the image of it. He wants to be out there mm-hmm. opening night of, and he has the experience of pitching in postseasons and of pitching in a world series before. So he knows his body. I'm sure he wouldn't put himself in any kind of risk, right. but like there really was no benefit to throwing him out there on opening night other than the image of we want to be, have Max Scherzer on the mound opening night of spring training, show that he's fully ready to go up against the defending AL champs too. Um, but other than that, you know, it, it's not the same with those other guys because they're not the in, inhuman in machine that Max Scherzer is. Right. So Davey is slowly taking these guys along because, you know, they, they, they just don't have that uh, experience before. Patrick Corbin had never pitched in a postseason before. Um, you know, Steven Strasburg had never, of course, advanced past the NLDS. So these guys are just getting a little bit more time um, to to make sure that they are 100% before they ramp back into games. Yeah, I thought it was – you mentioned Max starting the opener against the Astros last Saturday. Um, yeah, yeah, that's great. I think you're right. The optics of it all was – was that was probably the main reason why he started that game. And, you know, he Davey kept saying, like, he – Max has been emphatic about wanting to start that game. But then you get to that actual night, and the game was called short because of rain. And, I mean, I don't think in any situation – Having gone, especially in the first spring training game, having gone, you know, say Max throws an inning and then rain delay, he's not going back out there. That's just not Davey smarter than that, obviously. But like, it's still kind of like iffy thing. Like, what if Max, is like, man, I really wanted to get my two innings. Let's wait this out. And then obviously, we know Joe Ross ended up not making his debut that night. He was supposed to follow Max. Uh, he had to wait another five days. And he made his debut yesterday, um, finally. So it was kind of interesting that he was so determined to make that start, but it ended up maybe becoming like a, a setback, a bad thing, because he almost didn't get to pitch the amount that he wanted to because of the rain delay and stuff. You know, it's tricky in spring training. You got to think, consider that. And then also yesterday, I mean, for, I mean, the move to West Palm Beach has been so beneficial for the Nationals and I guess the Astros as well in terms of their travel throughout spring training. But they did have to make a trip to Tampa the other day where Joe Ross was able to make his de- spring training debut, but that ended up getting rained out as well. So there is some tricky aspects into navigating a spring training, especially with the pitchers um, in terms of getting their innings and spreading them out because there is such things as traveling too far. A lot of rain happens down there this time of year, of course. Um you know, Davey doesn't want some of the, especially, you know, the, the big four facing too many division opponents. And, a lot, you know, the... That's interesting. They face the Marlins and uh, I think the Mets a couple of times, you know, a handful of times throughout spring training. That's an interesting idea, too, because I had not really thought about that much until, um, I can't remember who, but somebody I was talking to brought it up in conversation, the idea that teams now are becoming very wary of that, mm-hmm. that they don't want a lot of their regular pitchers and starters to see too many division opponents because they don't want to get too much tape on them because the more tape they have, the more experience they have seeing them, typically the better they perform over time. I don't know. To me, I think if you had maybe a young rookie starter that had great stuff but had not really, maybe he had gotten a little experience last year but was really being cemented into the rotation this year, 
Maybe I would understand that a little bit more because you want him to be as fresh as possible when he faces those guys. He, they want you know they they want to keep him under wraps from other teams as much as possible. But I mean, what it, we know what Max Scherzer is. Right. Other teams know what arsenal he has. Right. He's not going to change his repertoire. He's not going to change his style from year to year that much. Um. So I I don't know. I I, I just question how much of an advantage that ends up being. Of course, I, I these guys know better. You know, they, yeah. they I, I'm not used to facing major league pitching and knowing the advantages of facing a guy the hundredth time as opposed to the first time. I know there are advantages there. I don't have experience with that, but I know that that's a, an advantage. I just question how much seeing a guy in an inning or two of spring training really helps you judge down the line, so that when you see him on opening day, you're that much more prepared. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of sneakily popped up in our couple conversations or just observations in spring training last last week. You know, remember, and I think uh, we've heard Mark Zuckerman talk about this too, just watching Max's bullpen. I mean, he's very vocal. Aside from the grunting and the cursing, he's very vocal during his bullpen sessions, talking to the catcher and being like, all right, who's the batter? Freeman. All right. What's the count? Two and two. All right, I'm not throwing him this. I'm going to throw him this every right. single time. And I think even in his media scrum, he talked about what it meant to have Starlin Castro on the team. And he also mentions, like, I'm glad he's on my team now because I never want to face him again because he hits me really well. And I would, and he's like, I will never, ever, ever, if I have to face Castro again, I'm never, ever, ever throwing him a curveball because he homers off it every single time. Um, so I think there is something to that. It's one of the situations where there's – Two sides to each story. Yeah. You know, it's like with with the young pitcher, yeah, you don't want to expose him to the guys that he's going to be facing for the first time too early. But then again, you might want to get him to know what the batter wants to do against him. I mean, there's... it's Exactly. They're, they're, both both sides can benefit from experience. Right. So, yeah, I think you're right. It is an interesting aspect. And, and looking at the schedule, the Nationals do play the Mets and Marlins a good hunk of times left in, throughout March. They don't face the Phillies or the Braves because they're on the other side of Florida too often. But, um, yeah... It's interesting that Davey's kind of aware of that, not wanting to throw out Max, Strauss, Corbin, Anibal against the guys that they're going to face probably four or five times a season. Right, but, you know, on the other and, but, side of that. It's- yeah, but, like, and you, to your point about how much is Max changing his thing, well, I mean, he kind he thinks about it. And, and we know Max is a very thoughtful pitcher in terms of how he attacks guys. And, and pitching, pitching and batting, the, the head-to-head matchup that we have between the pitcher and batter in baseball is the one of the most ever-changing aspects of this sport is because you're it's always about adapting to what that guy... So you, as a pitcher, you adapt to how you want to attack a hitter. Well, that hitter's going to make an adapt right, ab- adaption right back. So it's like you're always constantly changing how you're approaching people. And, you know, obviously there are outliers. Some guys hit pitchers better than others for whatever reason it may be. But it seems like with that matchup, batter versus pitcher, you're always trying to get a leg up and kind of always ever-changing. So maybe... It, you don't want to show what you're working on right now to a guy you're going to face four or five times. Well, if you're a batter, maybe like 16 times a season. It's just one of the numerous things that a manager has to think about when he creates a spring training lineup, when he creates a spring training roster, is just, you know, what, that's just one small factor as division opponents. The other things he has to think about is who's going to make the team? You know, yeah. who, who do I want to see today that I haven't seen enough of? Um, you know, how's this guy feeling? What's his body like? Is he is he ready to take on two innings? Is he more of a guy that needs just one inning to get ready? So there are so, so many factors that uh, a manager has to think about when he goes into a spring training game. But Davey Martinez 
has, uh, you know, he, he's got a little bit of experience with this. This is now his third spring training, and he's he's got the same tip, the same guys pretty much, with a few exceptions here and there. So um, he knows how to treat these guys. It is kind of interesting, too, that the Nats open up the regular season with the Mets and Marlins in three straight series. And there were a couple of times throughout March where, you know, they play the Marlins and the Mets three times in two days because of a split squad. They play them three times in four days, actually four times in five days uh, with a split squad late in March heading into the regular season. They play the Mets a Saturday before opening day. So it's sometimes it's going to be unavoidable because you need guys to start getting into the routine of every fifth day. So yeah, it should be interesting. And, and I'm sure, you know, vice versa again, like I'm sure the other team is doing the same thing yeah. too, trying to hide their main guys away from divisional opponents. All right, well, let's try to shift gears from that uh, aspect of spring training into again, it's the first week of games. There's not too much to take away. We don't really see start seeing patterns for another week or two, um, and guys start to play regularly in, in everyday lineups, again, in their fifth day as pitchers, back-to-back days as relievers. But like you said earlier, Paul, the main attention, the biggest storyline for the Nationals, other than the Astros and winning the World Series, is Carter Keepham. Can he replace Anthony Rendon, I mean, you can never play for Anthony, but can he step up and kind of fill that void at third base? Can he play a solid defense? Can he add some offensive production so this team is not scrambling to try to find some kind of score runs without Anthony Rendon? It's early, obviously one week into it, but he seems to be kind of a little behind the curveball, which batters usually are in terms of facing pitchers at the beginning of spring training. But is it a cause for concern that through the first week of games we're seeing Carter kind of have a sluggish start. I think you can't not notice it. I think because all most of the attention in, in camp has been on him and whether he can seize that opportunity. To be honest, I think you have to ask the question of did management in the front office put him in too difficult a spot? I, I know he was in a nearly impossible spot last year. The way that he came up midseason, the fact that they were losing games at that point, uh, they were still around a 500 team and pretty much buried in that division. He came up having to replace Trey Turner at shortstop, which is a difficult position for any player. The fact that Juan Soto had just done it the year before and had dominated, and all of a sudden fans subconsciously are going to expect some kind of miracle from you as well. Right. So that was a nearly impossible situation that they put him in last year. Not to mention you already had Victor Robles having a strong rookie year yeah. as well. So All of the pressure was on him. Yeah. And... The fact that he struggled does not say anything about, you know, his long-term future or anything like that. It, it is completely understandable that he struggled in that situation last year. This year, coming into camp, they put a fair amount of pressure on him that you could argue they didn't need to. Mike Rizzo said, we hope, and Davey Martinez basically said, we hope that he takes that third base spot. For a guy that had only had that limited exposure to the major leagues, yes, he is a top prospect. But that's a lot of pressure to put on him. You know, that's, that's like saying we're going to, you know, it's his job to lose, essentially, in a yeah. lot of ways. We just need to see that he has a good spring training. That's a tough spot. It's yeah. a really tough spot. Yeah. And, and not that he's crumbling under the pressure, but I think that that's a factor in all of this. And it's also not his natural position. I mean, he exactly. was drafted as a shortstop, and they even had him playing second at times last year because, you know, they had... Anthony at third. They had Trey at short. Trey went down for a little bit. That's why Carter got the call. But then they're like, all right, 
once Trey gets back, is there a way we can fit him in second base? Um, because you can't keep running Howie there every day, and Brian Dozier hasn't performed offensively like we thought he would. So he's in not only all the factors that you just mentioned, he's put on top of that that he's not playing his natural position. So he's yeah. kind of not learning on the fly. I think he played a fair, he played a lot of third in the minors last year after he finished the season with AAA. But at a major league level, he's kind of learning this position on the fly. I don't think he played third at all with the Nationals last year um, in, in the major league game. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a, Tough speed and it's a tough position. You know, it's not called the hot corner for nothing. Balls come at you fast. You got to play them. Um, you got to be able to react quickly and, and be able to make quick work with the glove and get the ball out of your hand fast. So it's not easy. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, yeah, you're right. I think crowning them, or sorry, not them, Carter Keeboom as the guy at third base is tough because especially when you brought back guys who can play that position. Like exactly. Cabrera's here. Howie Kendrick's here. He's not going to play there too often, but he's there. Castro, while mostly a second baseman, probably could do the job as well. So it's not like they didn't have to do that. Exactly. They, and, and it seemed like they did anyways. It, it seemed like... that. That's why I was so surprised, and this was months ago when Mike Rizzo was asked about it. I think it was back at Winterfest. I was, that's why I was so surprised that he said that. Because, one, also, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense service time-wise. Yeah. And, and I'm not encouraging service time manipulation by anybody, but... Doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to make the, and that's something that I know Mike Rizzo, this front office, is never concerned about. It's the, you know, they have had rookies come up whenever they need them, whenever they think they're ready, based on that only. They don't think about trying to hold on to these guys for the most amount of time. That's not a big factor for them, and nor should it be, and I applaud that. Yeah. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense necessarily for a guy to make the opening day roster if he can be held out for a couple months, service time-wise. Mm -hmm. But if that's not a factor, I get that. But he's got to be ready. And up to that point, we didn't really have any proof that he was ready to make the team out of camp. You know, let alone the fact that he's taking over for an all-star in Anthony Rendon. We had not had solid evidence that he was ready to, that he is ready to be a solid major league contributor. You know, just because a guy is great in AAA for a whole year doesn't mean that he's going to necessarily make that transition all that smoothly. So I was surprised that Rizzo came out and said that back at Winterfest. I think what I was more expecting is, you know, we'd love to see Carter improve. Yeah. We think that he can be a factor on this team at some point in 2020, but we have competent guys already on the roster who have played that position at a major league level. We're looking to see Carter at some point in 2020, but... Where he plays is still uh, up in the air, and when he makes the team is still very much up in the air. We would love to see Carter take the position, but we'll see what happens. Exactly. I thought that, but he, you know, I, I thought it, it, him, Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez were basically going to say this is as Drupal's Cabrera, as uh, Drupal Cabrera's job until it isn't, until right. Carter Keeboom forces to, him to take that job. But the fact that they made, that, that they put that kind of pressure on Carter. Immediately, I was just surprised about that. I think it was almost, and and we're still so early, as you said, Bobby, into this. We have yet to see if that's a mistake that that Mike Rizzo and and Davey Martinez made. Um, but I just didn't, I didn't think it was necessary. I don't think you needed to put that spotlight and that pressure on him. Right, and yeah, and exactly, and I think again with the with the pieces that they brought back, you know, in some ways, Astro Cabrera might have earned that position because he was, you know, he played during the World Series. He was, he was a starting third base, yeah. yeah. 
Not third base. Or not third base. Second sorry. base. Second but yeah, base, yeah, I mean, he was starting infield. He, he took the job over Brian Dozier, who they had just given $9 million to. Right. And Mike Rizzo, I mean, Cabrera played a lot of third base in his first stint with the Nationals, so Rizzo knows he can do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was a lot of seemingly unnecessary pressure. And, again, we're not, like, blaming Carter Keeble for any of this stuff. But, it is, I mean, it's again, he, if you're the top storyline, which isn't, wasn't much, isn't saying much because there's not too many going around. But with all the focus on you, I mean, you're the guy billed to take over for Anthony Rendon. You know, what part of this also is Mike and Davey kind of like trying to justify themselves for like letting Anthony walk? You know, it's like, well, we let Anthony walk. We, we decided to throw all our chips at Strasburg because we knew we had Carter. We're, we're, bank, we're banking on him. We're, we bet on him to be able to be ready to be the everyday third baseman. And you know, damned if we're wrong. So yeah. like, we're going to work, we're going to ride this horse until we can't ride anymore and, and figure something else along the way. And I think it's almost like we've been spoiled with the, the kind of top, what we've seen from top prospects from the nationals. Yeah. Like almost every one of their top guys has panned out and very quickly. Yeah. We, you know, it, you had immediately Steven Strasburg was a, a huge hit. You had Bryce Harper immediately was a huge hit. Uh, Juan Soto, obviously, Victor Robles may not be an all-star, but he's on his way. I mean, yeah. he had a, a sneakily very, very good season last year. So we've gotten a, a spoiled with the kind of great performances we've seen out of Nationals rookies and out of Nationals top prospects early on in their careers. If Carter Keeboom isn't that, and, and that's very hard to do, that's very hard to have the kind of success that the, the aforementioned guys had that early in, in his career, that'll be, that might be a first for Mike Rizzo. Yeah. I mean, he's a former first-round pick. I mean, so it's like he, you're supposed to be the guy at this point now. Drafted back in 2016, you're supposed to be the guy. This this is the time that you take the step to fill in, be an everyday major leaguer, contribute to the major league ball club, um, and, and be effective and prove that you are worthy of being a first-round draft pick and yeah. being the team's number one overall prospect uh, heading into the season. Yeah, and then the whole positional thing, I think, makes things even cloudier. Yeah, and we're in terms of like throwing them around all over the place. Yeah. Well, and, and the fact that they decided to commit to third base before the spring training had even begun, before they, you know, they they said he is our third baseman. We view him as a third baseman. Yeah. I thought that was another thing that didn't necessarily have to be said because again, we didn't have a whole lot of we didn't have a body of evidence showing that he could play that position on a major league level. You know, if they had left the door a little bit more open and say. We view him as a third baseman, but also we want to give him some shots at second base. And if Trey goes down, we can want to give him some shots at short. But they didn't do that. They said he is a third baseman. Yeah. He's not. <laughs> Up until this point, he hasn't been. Yeah. So uh, the, that kind of clouds things. And, and we talked about it last year when he struggled in the major leagues. Anytime a rookie or a young guy is struggling defensively, it'll affect him offensively. And probably vice versa. So... It's not going to be easy for him to make two adjustments at once at this point. And I think that's why we're seeing him struggle so far. Yeah, good segue. So we've seen him play three games at third base already this spring training. Again, just the first week. He's already made two errors. Uh, one, I believe it was yesterday, was particularly egregious. Feel the ball, but just completely airmailed it, trying to throw the first. Some people have brought up the fact that there were wet conditions. Victor okay. Robles had an airmail as well. That's so true. The ball might have and slipped. He hurt himself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's fair. But two errors. Yeah. Apparently, also one, this is also according to Mark Zuckerman's blog on MassInSports.com, uh, one misplay that was actually ruled a hit, so it doesn't count towards an error. Um, and he's only batting at the plate. 
so far this spring. One one sixty-seven. Yeah. Um, one hit, one for six. He's not on the lineup as Three of Thursday walks. night against the Astros. Three walks. That's good. He's taking his walks. That's that's good. And no strikeouts. So he's getting the battle. At least making contact. What are you more concerned about? I mean, again, one week. It's hard to draw conclusions, but. What are you more concerned about? His lack of production defensively or offensively? I think at this point, defensively. I um, agree. Yeah, I think um, just because we, you know, we don't have a body of evidence that he can hit at the major league level, as mentioned, but we do that he can hit at the minor league level. So I think it's more likely that his hitting ability will make that transition. I don't know how smoothly it'll be, and I don't know how quick it'll be, but I I trust his bat more than I trust his defense at third base, just because he did. it's not his natural position. Um, and I, I, I don't know if it fits him. Yeah. I just don't know if, if it is his long-term position. I think, look, if this team had its way, it, you know, if, if, only, if Trey Turner played a different position, they'd probably be looking at Carter Keboom primarily as a shortstop. Right. You know? Um, it's just the fact that they have a hole there. Um, and the other question is, you know, would he have been a better fit potentially at second base? And I think that's unknowable. And the fact that they signed Starling Castro for two years necessitated them putting Keyboom at third. Yeah. But maybe if they had signed Starling Castro for one year, or if they had signed somebody else for one year at second base, would would they be viewing Carter Keyboom more of a second baseman? Well, yeah. And think about Howie Kendrick too, because they they need yeah. to find ways to get Howie Kendrick into the lineup, and he primarily play second base, so he's going to be behind Castro. You can't throw Keeboom over there because there's a log jam at second and not enough people playing third because yeah. then you only have maybe Cabrera and then possibly Howie every other day, whatever it may be. So, yeah, he kind of necessitated playing third base um, with the people they brought in. Uh, I, I, I agree. I'm going to go on record that I agree with you. I'm probably more concerned. I'm, I'm more concerned about his lack of defensive production, but just to play devil's advocate, I'll say – you know, he is learning a new position at the major league level on the fly, sort of, this, this spring training. So yeah. errors are expected. It's only the first week. So, you know, once he starts playing more games. And Carter keepham has gone on record, too, saying he just needs the reps. He wants the reps. He wants to play in game action um, and, and play, you know, not just doing drills in the backfields at West Palm Beach. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of being more concerned about the hitting, you know, like you said, he, he, he tore through AAA the first week of spring training, how many major league starters are you, or pitchers are you actually facing? You know, how come he's not that is that not translating just enough yet? Because you know we've seen other guys in the Nationals hitting just fine. Cabrera's hitting fine. Juan Soto's off to a hot start. Of course, he's Juan Soto. He's a different animal. But other guys seem to be getting the bat on the ball. And Carter keep him swinging and missing against probably. And I didn't do a deep dive on who he's faced so far, but probably you know inferior pitching at this point. A couple split squad games. You're not seeing that team's you know top three or four pitchers should be able to get some, some hits on some minor quote unquote minor league, you know, non roster invitee pitchers out there. So just to play devil's advocate, those are yeah. would be my concerns. If I was more concerned on his on the offensive side, but I am pro not pro. I am more concerned <laughs> for his de- lack of defensive ability at this point. Um, but with a grain of salt, yeah. he is trying to learn this position on the fly. Yeah. And not to look too far ahead, but I, I know we've talked about this on previous podcasts as well, but if, if he wins the job out of spring training, if he shows enough to be the starting third baseman uh, on the Nationals opening day, and he really struggles the first month or so of the season, and as Drupal Cabrera is doing just fine behind him as a backup, 
used in other positions potentially as a pinch hitter, would they consider bumping Carter back down to the minors? Yeah. And would that be he a, would have to. Would that be a major blow for his confidence? You yeah. know, would um I, I again I trust Mike Rizzo to know and Davey Martinez to know when these guys are ready. We've seen them do it before, um, and they've done it very well in judging when a guy is ready for the major league level. But if he kind of if, if he has a fool's gold spring training and struggles at the major league level first couple months of the season, you got to worry about you don't want to. You really don't want to at that point bump him back down to the minors and say we were wrong. He wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, but you might have to. So I, it, they just kind of they might have created a little bit of a tough situation for themselves if that scenario plays out that way. Right. And but I think we've also seen before that they've already practiced caution with this particular player. I mean, yes. Before last season, Mike Rizzo was very adamant about like we're we're he's going to play wherever he can play every day. If he makes the major league club, great. He needs to play every day. If not, he's going to go to AAA because we want him out there every single day, getting the at bats, playing in the field where he where we want him to be playing. Yeah. So if if there is an ounce of doubt that he can't do it, I I have a strong feeling that they're going to be like, all right, let's just hold off. You'll be up eventually. Start AAA. Uh, keep playing every day because they're not gonna they're not gonna add him, and whether service time or not, this is the reasoning. But I I just really don't feel it. They're not gonna add him to the twenty six man opening day roster to sit on the bench. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I mean, there's just no point. I mean, let him play every single day, and and hopefully, you know, that could be his quote unquote extended spring training, possibly, you know, a couple of weeks into April, and then call him up around the same time that he was called up last year. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Again, it's just super early. Nothing to draw conclusions about. Uh, just because he is probably the main focal point, you know, with all of the World Series stuff blown over now, we're now solely looking on 2020. Yeah, um, and we're not we're not making up our mind by any stretch. We're, no. we, you know, I know a lot of people are saying we should practice patience, and and we are, you know, but it, it we are, we are. I, I am absolutely going to give him the full spring training to make up my mind. You know, I, I'm oh, not yeah. I'm not saying he hasn't earned anything. I'm not saying that you know, as Drupal Cabrera is the starting third baseman opening day. I'm just saying. These are questions that you have to ask at some point. And these are questions that Davey Martinez, Mike Rizzo are asking constantly. Yeah. Um, so the, you, you have to you have to ask questions based on the evidence you're given. Right. And they officially don't have to make a decision until the morning of March 26th. Yeah. You know, this could be a decision they make the night of the 25th, right before opening day, when they before they announce their opening day roster. So they've got plenty of time, literally a month to figure it out. Yep. Um, Carter has plenty of time to work it out. You know, you could possibly check out Carter Keeboom on the Mass and Broadcast tomorrow on Friday afternoon as the Nationals take on the Rays. Uh, they'll be that game will be. You'll hear Bob and FP and Alex on the Mass and Broadcast at one o'clock, of course, live from Florida. So you might be able to see Carter Keeboom in that lineup as well. Steven Strasburg is making his great Grapefruit League debut tomorrow afternoon. Um, so plenty of reason to tune in to Mass and Broadcast of a spring training game if you're missing that baseball. Uh, Tune into Madison tomorrow, one o'clock on uh, for some for some spring training nationals action. It should be pretty exciting. Got, got to get your baseball fix in. I yeah, and a good way to start the weekend. You know, maybe call, maybe take a long weekend. Call a half day Friday, go watch the game, and then start your weekend a little early. Could be a lot of fun. Well, of course, we'll be talking about Carter Keboom throughout spring training as well, and all the other storylines that pop out of West Palm Beach on the Madison All Access podcast. Be sure to give us a subscription on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and. 
Spotify. You can find us wherever you will find podcasts. Give us a subscription on uh, Mass and All Access Facebook page and the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and Mass and Nationals on Twitter as well. At Bobby underscore Blanco for myself, at Paul Mancano for Paul on Twitter. Give us a shout out. Well, what do you think about Carter Keebum's progress at, or lack thereof, at the plate or, in def- or on the defensive side of the ball? Um, we're happy to talk to baseball all the time now that spring training is officially on the way. Mass and Alexis podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit marymountsaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. We'll catch you guys next week.